0: So, this is Christmas, and what have you done? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Is there any good reason to get off my bum Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, just before we get going on the actual matters at hand, which are Christmas questions, thank you everybody for sending them in. Yeah. Uh, we should just issue our annual health warning on this, which is uh, if you are a, a parent listening with younger children right now, you may choose to have the magic ruined for them through some other mechanic <laughs> mm. and, and turn this episode off and listen to it personally in your own headphones, not with young company. Yes. Ho, ho,
2: ho. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here's a question from Julia from Ottawa, but living in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, who says, Helen, answer me this. Should I start the elf on the shelf tradition for Ooh. my kids? Mm. My oldest child is just turning three. And my first thought was that elf on the shelf seems like a completely fabricated tradition.
1: All traditions are fabricated.
0: That's true. God, that's (laughs) profound. Um, Whose main purpose is to stress out parents and or make kids feel guilty.
1: Mm, Perfect.
0: On the other hand, I'm looking for small ways to make the winter more festive without creating tons of waste. Mm. And I can see how my toddler would be very excited by having a visiting elf.
1: Oh, I was unaware of elf on the shelf until a few years ago when I noticed celebrities were doing it for their kids and posting it on Instagram. And what it is, is like you have this little toy elf or a couple of elves and... Each night, while the kids are asleep, the elves go off to report to Santa every day up till Christmas, whether the kid has been good or naughty. Then in their spare time, when they've come back from the North Pole, they fuck around a bit in your house. Mm-hmm. If people really go for it, then the elves might have like their own little bed. They might be getting drunk on wine. They might be cutting up bits of paper. And each morning, the kids leap out of bed to see what the elf's been getting up to this time. You can't touch the elf in case the elf's magic evaporates. Clever. That's what the Elf on the Shelf is.
0: So hold on, hold on. So they're not actually on a shelf. I mean, they might be, but they don't have to be.
1: Yeah, it's non-obligatory. If they can get to the North Pole, they can get to the other side of the living room.
0: So it's called Elf on the Shelf, but it might actually be Elf in your knicker drawer.
1: Well, Elf on the Shelf is trademarked. So <laughs> uh, if you don't want to tangle with that, maybe you want to go for Elf in the knicker drawer.
0: Trademarked by who? Where did it come from?
1: Yeah, it was trademarked by the author Carol Abersold and her daughters she wrote a book about the elf on the shelf based on a tradition her family had with a christmas tree ornament of theirs where it didn't go anywhere at all it just hung on the christmas tree but each day it would be watching them Mm -hmm. so apparently her family had been doing that since the 70s okay so she and her daughter wrote this book and um they self-published it because all the publishers said no so they got five thousand of the books printed and they sold them in a box with a little toy elf for 30 dollars each and it all sold out and that was 2005 that's how old Mm -hmm. this tradition is Just (laughs) 15 years. And she said after they published the book, they heard from other families who were like, yeah, we always did that too. But it wasn't a marketed tradition. It wasn't really a thing, apparently, until this book, because the book was so successful.
0: What I don't understand is why Julia says that its purpose is to stress out parents. What's the stress?
1: Well, I think it's just the pressure of having to think of things every day different funny things for the elf to do oh
0: the elf moves around the house
1: right so that's the point
0: oh god every
1: morning the kid wakes up and has to find the elf in a different place doing a different thing
0: yeah I don't need that in my life you see yeah
1: I enjoy reading the rebuttals of elf on the shelf where they're like the elf is an agent of the surveillance state and there are lots of characters from Christmas mythology who are checking in on children to see if you're naughty and reporting back to Santa we talked about uh, Zwarte Piet didn't we in the show Oh, the blackface before. one
0: from Holland, yeah.
1: But unlike Svartopiet, the elf is in your home. That's something to fear all the time, rather than just when you go to see Svartopiet ride into town. You're
0: saying this like this is a bad thing. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> about the elf on the shelf tradition, but I've organically created a version of this myself, which is the whole... It's, based, it's a riff on the naughty or nice thing, which is in, in pre-pandemic times when we were able to go to places, in sort of October, November... I would tell Harvey wherever we were so like say for example we were in a shopping mall and there'd be a security camera above Mm. us I'd say that is Santa watching to see if you're naughty or nice. <laughs> and it's amazing how many things, once you start looking for them, are wall mounted to ceilings. Like, you know, little speakers. Oh, wow. Anything that looks like it could be a webcam, like an alarm sensor. So that's been really useful to just be like, be a good boy because Santa is watching right now. And like, this is your opportunity to impress him. So I do that anyway, and I think it's quite a useful parenting technique.
2: Has that created like a positive association for Santa with your son? Or has he just like, Santa's a bit of a narc?
1: It's real judgmental. Yeah, but you know what
0: the end is, don't you? Like the end is he's going to get his present, isn't he? I guess so, yeah. Well,
1: then why does he have to behave? Because he's probably going to get them even if he's naughty. Because it makes
0: November easier for me. That's why. (laughs) Like, Stop being a dick Santa's watching. That's all. It's just useful.
1: I read uh, this fun essay where they're saying while the elf may be part of a pre-Christmas game and might help manage children's behaviours in the weeks leading up to the holiday, it also sets children up for dangerous, uncritical acceptance of power structures.
0: If you overanalyse things about Christmas, and we certainly have for Mm. 14 (laughs) consecutive years.
1: It's a very complex (laughs) occasion.
0: Exactly. I'm not sure this is any different to any of that stuff. Like, it's just another mindfuck to put into the big Christmas cauldron, isn't it? Like, if people enjoy it, it doesn't bother me.
1: Maybe it'd be easier just to get a surveillance camera affixed in your house. (laughs) I wonder how many people do Elf on the Shelf, given that it's still relatively new. Yeah, I think in the UK,
0: probably not many. I vaguely heard those words, but its I don't think it's part of everyday parlance, is it? I mean, I've got primary school age children. I've not come across it as a, a growing trend here.
1: Have you come across any of the parodies like Mench on a Bench and it's a toy that looks <laughs> like a rabbi? <laughs>
0: I haven't, but uh, that sounds like a stocking filler someone would give me, so I will act surprised when they do.
1: (laughs) Here's a question from Katie in Upton, who says, I work in the NHS, and Christmas is the one time we allow foreign objects into the otherwise sterile walls of the wards, and we put up Christmas trees and other decorations, much like everyone else at this time of year. Mm. We also tend to end up making decorations from the things we see lying around the wards. We have made Christmas trees out of gloves, Rudolphs out of piss bottles, snowmen out of medicine pots, and wreaths out of blood bottles. Ingenious, Katie. And I have to say, they're actually really good. I bet they are. I've seen those piss bottles, and they're a great shape for putting characters on preferably if they don't have piss inside
0: well katie says as a a cross-reference here for that we should google hospital christmas decorations to get a sense of the kind of thing she's talking about which i did Hmm. um and i found a hugely enjoyable photo of a hospital ward where they've taken some green tinsel and hung it in like an up and down formation so it looks like a reading from an ecg
1: (gasps) wow that's cool it would cheer me up yes
0: also some christmas lights made out of prescription bottles Which, I mean, genuinely look like young British artist-era concept art that would sell for millions.
1: (laughs) Katie says, while this is all good fun, I am unsure ethically about whether we should be doing this. Ollie, answer me this. In an underfunded and tight NHS, is it okay to be wasting resources on making decorations?
0: She's asking me, she's not asking the health secretary, but yeah, okay.
1: Given the current cabinet, I would trust your opinion on this about as much, and it's probably about as well-researched.
0: Hey, I'm an Oxbridge English graduate, I can run the country.
1: Or is the impact so tiny that it is acceptable to bring some happiness to otherwise miserable patients? I'm not sure either way.
0: I think you can probably judge it in your own medical environs, actually, Katie. I, I mean, I think in some places... You know, if if you know, for example, at the moment in the current climate that there is a lack of PPE in your local region, then clearly it would be in questionable taste to use what little you have to make a Christmas display. But if you know that a particular product is in plentiful supply, possibly there's even a surplus because people have overordered because of the crisis Mm. this year, and you know that it will bring a smile to countless patients and staffers, what cost a smile, Katie? What cost a smile?
1: (laughs) And what's the health benefit of a smile, huh?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So go for it, I say, generally.
1: Also, if someone needed two piss bottles at a time when they probably could have used one, you wouldn't think twice about using the piss bottles. The
0: original lyrics to Celine Dion's Think Twice.
1: (laughs) When I was in hospital, everything was disposable, including the scissors. Right. So when they had to cut dressings for wounds, they would use these disposable scissors that were also shit scissors because they were disposable scissors. So they'd have to use two pairs of scissors (laughs) just to cut a plaster. So there is also quite a lot of wastage built in yes i know that this year there's been so much talk about like ppe Mm. and the shortages of that and not wanting to waste that and and how stricken the nhs has been about that but i would assume katie's not talking about like using thousands of masks to make a glacier landscape for example the packaging that the stuff came in you know you could use
0: that that's a good idea i mean that is literally landfill isn't it
1: there's a lot of cellophane you get you could make like paper chains or snowflakes out of that yeah Martin, when he was working in um, medical physics, used to bring home items that were no longer sterile so they couldn't be used for patients, but they also hadn't been used on patients so they were safe. Like um, the pens that you draw on a patient uh, before surgery. He also brought home... I did ask.
2: I didn't just, like, tea leaf them from the bedside of someone having an operation for breast cancer. But it
1: was basically, like, if the pen had been opened, even if it hadn't been used, it couldn't be used anymore, which meant free Mm. pen for Martin. He once brought home this very large needle... That was um, purposed for thrusting into someone's perineum and shining a laser beam off it? That's right,
0: yeah. For what purpose?
1: Uh, To cure cancer.
0: No, no, I understand its intended purpose. Why did (laughs) you bring it home? (laughs) finally.
2: I brought it home because it was out of date. So even though it hadn't been opened, it couldn't be
0: used. Right. For what purpose? Why? What did you want to do with it?
1: Well, you just don't know until you uh, have one. Wait, didn't, wasn't there
2: a reason I got it for
1: you? I think you just thought I could use it for craft, and I used it <laughs> for curling the hair of a doll I was making. Well, there you go. <laughs> and who knows what else I'll use it for in time. Good.
0: Here's a question from Richard from Loughborough, who says, I started to wonder about the turkeys that are given a pardon on Thanksgiving by the standing president. Hmm. I wonder about that every year, Richard, and then I forget to Google it, so I'm glad that you brought it up. All I know about it is what can be summarised in an Anne Finley story on the News at 10. Mm. So, Helen, asked me this. What happens to the pardoned turkeys? Are they fattened for another year and then eaten anyway?
1: No, it varies what happens to them. I think in the year 2020, they are being sent to Iowa State University.
0: Of course. Of course they are.
1: I think because the turkeys
0: came from Iowa. Right. What is pardoning the turkeys about at all?
1: Okay. From like the late 1800s, people would send the president gifts of turkeys, particularly turkey farmers. Why? It probably was quite good promotion for your turkeys. Okay. Out of generosity, it was a valuable bird, as we've uh, ascertained on previous Answer Me This Is. And the pardoning, it's an oldish tradition, but it's not really been like that set until fairly recently. I think Reagan was uh, the first one to do it regularly, and apparently it was to uh, deflect difficult questions about Oliver North. He's like, ha ha, well, I'm going to pardon one of these turkeys that the president's been sent this year. But I think JFK also did it, but didn't use the word pardon. So people are like, well, does it count when he was just like, I don't think we're going to eat this one this year, send it back to the farm?
0: Yeah. So to actually use the word pardon, it's a good point. It's quite a subversive thing to do, isn't it? It's quite a surprise in a way that a Republican president would have been the person to do that because it's like it's slightly undermining the whole presidential authority to be able to pardon actual people who you know might be facing execution to say, I'm going to do it with the turkey.
1: Yes, I suppose it is trivializing the whole thing. I think it became really codified under George Bush the I, and I can't remember what his game is, but it, it often seems to be the president would use the turkey. Like going back decades, the president would like mention the turkey and be like, "We're going to reprieve this turkey to stop people asking them political questions. Um, but it wasn't annual, I think, until Bush. But now it's a whole thing. So there's a presidential flock of contender turkeys. I think it's like 50 or 60 of them that are all hatched and raised in the same conditions as commercial eating turkeys then they winnow it down to 15 to 20 turkeys i think they choose the ones which seem to respond the best to handlers and how good they look because they've got to look like a real classic turkey in the photo shoots
0: but of course you're not going to eat them because they're celebrities then aren't they it's i mean it's basically the plot of charlotte's web
1: they kind of train them up to be used to crowds and lights and just standing around having their photos taken. So all this is quite traumatic. they show showbiz turkeys. And then the best two get chosen to go to DC, whereupon I think they stay in a hotel.
0: <laughs> You're coming to DC. You're in the final of America's next top turkey. Yeah,
1: don't, well, America's <laughs> next dead turkey. <laughs> I suppose it would pay to be the less delicious looking turkey, wouldn't it? because that means you're more likely to be spared. I don't know really what motivates people to vote for one or the other. Maybe they like the name, maybe one of them is more beautiful to them. Who votes? It's open to public vote. There's like an online poll. And and then they were sent to different places. So uh, Ronald Reagan sent the turkey to a petting zoo. And then for years, they were sent to a place called Frying Pan Park. In Virginia. (laughs)
0: Doesn't sound like a place I'd want to be if I was a turkey. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Sometimes they were sent to Disney World or Disneyland, I guess because they're celebrity turkeys. Mm. This year, Iowa State University, for the last few years, they retired at Virginia Tech. Uh, There was a little retreat for the turkeys called Gobbler's Rest at Virginia Tech College's uh, Department of Agriculture and Life Sciences. I'm now
0: thinking of that Ben Affleck, jennifer Lopez sex scene with Gobble in it.
1: Oh, God. what in Julie. Yeah. And, and then they live quite a cushy life, but they don't live for very long. Usually only a couple of years because...
0: Because they're in showbiz. That's how it, it spits you out, doesn't it?
1: They've been bred for eating. So they've been raised to grow very fast at the beginning because eating turkeys tend to be quite young.
0: Oh, no, do their legs break and shit?
1: I don't know whether it's that or whether just their organs are not uh, built for longevity. Yeah. might be a live fast, die young kind of life. <sighs> so maybe it's better to be eaten, get shat out by the president.
0: I've got a question. Email your question. Don't answer me this.
1: here's a question from nick from michigan who says ollie answer me this does jesus porn exist every porn exists doesn't it
0: <laughs> yeah well that's the law of porn I-, I want you to know that we ummed and about whether or not to include this question
1: well you did i thought it would go well
0: <laughs> yeah but you weren't the one who was going to then spend half an hour before we record the show watching porn as research
1: no that's true that was going to
2: happen anyway ollie to be fair <laughs>
0: My concern was, is this going to really put me in the right frame of mind to focus on the important matters that we discuss on the show? Um, But uh, I I took one for the team.
1: As did Jesus. Pardon? He took one for the team, the team being all of humankind.
0: (laughs) I see. Frankly, Nick, you could have typed Jesus into Pornhub yourself. But anyway, I've done it now. And uh, let me tell you what I found. So some fetish stuff, first of all, uh, which Jesus was just a keyword in. So nuns getting it on, obviously. Breaking My Vows, Mm. which is basically a twist on cherry popping. Uh. It's a a married woman saying, look, I'm going to have extramarital sex for the first time it'll be on camera. So that that somehow involves Jesus because I suppose it's slightly kind of looking into viewers who have a fetish for religious shame. Mm -hmm. And then I did find quite a disturbing video. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that you click on it, but it was a lady being um, uh, tackled quite hard by multiple sources while saying, praise Jesus.
1: Right. She wasn't being tackled by all the disciples
0: no they weren't in costume it was just just men i I should say i I had the sound down um because my wife and john were in the next room (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) the things you do for this show
0: i didn't see the the full videos it was intended i got that i pretty much i mean on Pornhub, helen you do get a very good idea of the of the content within a few seconds so that's essentially what it was but what i didn't find is someone you know dressed as renaissance art jesus Mm. which is interesting i think
1: what if you searched for christ porn did you get different stuff
0: I search for everything, Helen.
1: (laughs) I appreciate your diligence.
0: And it seemed to me unlikely that there was so little Jesus porn that it seemed to me that actually Pornhub had probably intervened to censor or cancel some of the search terms around that. I don't have any evidence of that, apart from circumstantial evidence that I'm describing, but it's interesting when you bear in mind that they actively promote videos that use incest as a keyword or like racially demeaning words uh-huh. in mm. their descriptions, that they seem to have filtered out some of the Jesus porn. That, that seems to be the case.
2: Do they have any other religious porn? Like, is they like...
1: Moses porn. banged by
2: Buddha.
0: I did not search around for that. Uh, hmm. I felt like I'd, I'd done my bit. But what I did find when you look into the world of gay porn, there is an example. It's from 2007. Uh, it is from a studio called Dark Alley. Uh, and it's a film they released called Passio. I think the year after The Passion of the Christ was released in cinemas. If you're interested in watching this, um, it is available on Dark Alley's website uh, <laughs> behind a paywall. Uh, but as I was looking purely for research purposes, I, I will admit that I did find it for free on X Hamster. Anyway, in that video, they do depict The Last Supper, mm-hmm. where the disciples and the Jesus figure, and I'll return to that in a minute because it's not really Jesus, I think. Oh. The Jesus figure consume grapes off each other before... Uh, a hot session, and also bagels, bizarrely. I mean, that's not historically (laughs) accurate. And the final scene is uh, Jesus on the cross being whipped with a leather flogger by a priest. Uh, So sort of cock worship, kind of subdom stuff with Jesus tied up. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, which is interesting, I'm I'm pretty sure this doesn't happen in the New Testament, the priest unties Jesus, who leaps down off the cross and begins dominating the priest and comes on his ass.
1: Oh, that's... um... Maybe lost in the translation of the Gospels.
0: It's a happier ending than the one I recall. <laughs> I mean, true. maybe not for all of humanity, but for Jesus, certainly. So what I found interesting was that that seems to signal to me that it's not really um, Jesus porn. It's obviously a Jesus fetish, isn't it? But it's not really Jesus porn, because it's not sa- it's not the story.
2: Well, it would be a bit of a downer if your porn ended with someone dying from crucifixion. I mean, they have to take some liberties.
0: But also, when I talk about the Jesus figure. He is a skinhead in this. He doesn't have a beard. He doesn't look like the Jesus we're used to seeing in Renaissance art.
1: The white Jesus.
0: He looks like Richard Fairbass, <laughs> circa 1990. That's what he looks like.
1: Wow.
2: Does he say, I'm too sexy for this cross at any point?
0: <laughs> it's also not filmed outdoors, the crucifixion scene, sort of Live of Brian style. It's, it's filmed in a barn. So it's obviously not period in that sense.
1: Maybe they filmed it in a barn because either weather or they didn't want to be filming a crucifixion or pornography in the open air.
0: Yeah, there are other reasons for not wanting to film porn in the open air, aren't there, which are nothing to do with their religious sensitivities. So it seems to me like they're just trying to push buttons. And I, I looked into it and the director of the film has since admitted that it was a publicity stunt when their porn studio was a startup. They thought, essentially, how can we create some controversy with a limited budget? And, you know, to do that scene... It's a few planks of wood, isn't it, for the crucifix and the tablecloth for the Last Supper. Yeah. So it, I think it was just about stirring up shit. I don't think it was really um, tapping into Jesus porn fully. Like, they could have put a beard on him, but they didn't. Do you know what I mean? So it was just a case of, let's just do it because it's funny.
1: I wonder whether there is any Jesus's conception porn where it's like women getting fucked by angels.
0: Well, I mean, I'd argue that something quite close to that is Madonna's Like a Prayer video. yeah. And even then, like, you look back on that and you think, because at the time it's very controversial, like, oh, Madonna's kissing black Jesus. But actually the very fact that they cast a black man as the saint in that video again, like, takes it away from someone actually having sex with Renaissance art Jesus. That's the thing that I really struggled to find, which I do find interesting.
2: Well, she's sort of, like, simultaneously transgressing that, like, the interracial boundary, isn't she? And also, you know, reframing... Jesus as black whilst going, oh, it's not Jesus. He's a saint. Yeah. She sort of gets it always, if you excuse the expression.
1: <laughs> but why wouldn't Jesus have been a black man?
2: Well, he probably was. That's the point. But that's, she's saying that, but she's not saying that at the same time. She's got, she's got to get out. Yeah, when the Christian white right comes after her, she can be like, no, 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 it's saint, whoever.
1: Do you think the controversy over that video was so much that pornographers are just like, I can't be asked with the problems that this will make?
0: Well, I mean, having watched Passio, I would say that performers very much can be asked.
1: but i
0: I think it might just be that actually the realities of filming porn is that actually when the performers get to set they don't necessarily know what the scenario is going to be that they're doing even yeah and possibly it's a bit much to ask them to dress up as jesus yeah but if you say look this is a fantasy we've decided to frame it a bit like the crucifixion also there's possibly just not that big a market for it a fun fact i found out is that christmas is the lowest ranking day for porn video streams in the usa
1: wow i wonder whether that's just because people don't get enough private time
0: I think so because um the second least popular day for porn video streams in the USA is Thanksgiving Yeah but right. then the two most popular days are December the 27th and Cyber Monday <laughs> But yes it does suggest that it's sort of bottled up and people can't find a moment and then as soon as they can back to normal routines
1: Also maybe it's just uh, waiting for the big meals to wear off
0: <laughs> <laughs> One more fun fact that I discovered along the way uh, related to my search inquiries here Mhm Across Europe during the Middle Ages, there were at least 12 holy foreskins. I'm sorry, what? I know, it sounds like something that Batman and Robin would say, wouldn't
1: it? Were they selling (laughs) the relics? Was it that kind of thing? Yeah. A baby's foreskin from one and a half thousand years before, I reckon, would have been disintegrated?
0: It had been preserved, but I don't know to what extent that's possible with human skin. That's right. So at at the time, uh, churches in Paris, Boulogne, Metz, Nantes, Antwerp and Bruges All at some stage claimed to own Jesus' foreskin or a piece of it. (laughs) And in 800 AD, uh, the first holy foreskin was given as a present to the Pope.
1: Wow.
0: By the first Holy Roman Emperor, Charlemagne. The myth was that the Virgin Mary had kept the holy foreskin in a leather pouch Mm. uh, before giving it to St. John. And Mm. then for the next seven centuries, it remained in the pouch before someone possibly an angel gave it to charlemagne
1: what did she suppose saint john wanted to do with it
0: well what does one do with a foreskin of any kind holy or not it's a party trick at best isn't it
1: (laughs) if your friend's mum gave you your friend's foreskin what would you say
0: (laughs) it truly is a bespoke gift i guess
1: Why are all Yaz fan sites just about one thing? The only way is up is not the only song she sings. What about Abandon Me, One True Woman or Good Thing? Going, her single from 96.
0: You should make your own Yaz site to fill in the gaps. Since you seem to think all the current Yaz sites are crap. Go to Squarespace.com, build your Yaz site and put Yaz back on the map.
1: The only way is up.
0: Super-duper festive thanks with bells on to Squarespace <laughs> for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This.
1: Squarespace have just introduced a new feature where you can have uh, member areas, and uh, that's not a penis thing. But it can be. Yeah, I guess so. It
0: doesn't have to be.
1: What, what it means is that if you're a podcaster, say, and you wanted to have uh, special podcasts that were only available to members, you could do all that through Squarespace, Uh, And you can have different membership levels. So you can be like, okay, super fans get a double magic podcast. You can have one off fees or recurring memberships or free, and you're just rewarding people's diligence. I guess
0: you don't have to be selling anything either. Like it could be quite yeah. useful if, for example, you've got a blog where you kind of get deep in the weeds in some blog posts and then right. more mainstream in others. And then you can create an area for people that are interested in the very deep stuff. Just keep the riffraff out. Yeah, well, you know, give you a bit more permission to bitch about everyone, wouldn't it? And be a little <laughs> bit more honest if you knew it wasn't going to turn up on Google.
1: And uh, that's an add-on product to Squarespace. Uh, but they also have oodles of free features and you can check them all out if you go to squarespace.com slash And play around using the two-week free trial.
0: And once your two-week free trial is over and you think, yes, I want this in my life. Thank you, Squarespace. Then you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain when you use our code ANSWER. Answer. Hi, Helen and Ollie. Katie from Christchurch in New Zealand here. I am thinking about advent calendars because I love advent calendars, especially as gifts, whether received or given. I've made ones uh, with different tea. Uh, varieties and ones with novelty international snacks before. Answer me this What is the best alternative advent calendar that you've ever come across? And also, what one do you wish existed that someone might make for
1: you? Oh, that's nice that she's making advent calendars for people. That's awesome.
0: I think a homemade advent calendar is a great idea, yeah.
1: I made my friend Claire one with, um, she was very into men with beards. And this was 2003, so there weren't as many of them around as there are now. Mm. So I made her an advent calendar full of pictures of men with beards.
0: That's great. I remember that it was a novelty in the 80s. To have a chocolate advent calendar. Yeah,
1: totally. Mm. Rather than just one with pictures of like uh, angels.
0: Yeah, I had one of those really boring advent calendars in the 80s and I was a Jew. Like, I had <laughs> the ones where you just open the flap and you get a picture of a candle and a line from a carol.
1: The chocolate ones, I waited for years to get one because my family was so anti-sweets. So when I did, I was thrilled, but I quickly wished for the ones which had no sweets in but just good pictures because they tended to be the same underneath whatever the cover picture was. Yes. And then a few mm. years ago, Martin got me one. I think it was a pretty cheap one, wasn't it? No, it's very expensive. Okay, he got me a really expensive <laughs> one. <laughs> for the record possibly as much as two pounds and um it's just pictures of dogs it's so good that um i've got it out each year
2: but also the main picture above the windows is of a really cute dog
1: it's of a dog with like a top hat on
2: and like a little tongue stick in it
1: the point is i'm as happy with an advent calendar without things in it as long as the pictures are good
0: but that's the shame isn't it is that the premium advent calendar trend has actually made it so that i bet if you went into poundland you wouldn't be able to get one that was just pictures, even though that would be the perfect emporium to buy the fun one with dogs.
2: Mm.
0: I bet they just sell crap chocolate. Do you know what I
2: mean? I always used to save mine up from the chocolate ones. Like, I saved them all up. Not all of them, but like a lot of them. So I had a really big chocolate treat on Christmas Day. Although you get chocolate for Christmas, so I don't know why. You're
0: basically Charlie Bucket.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Aww. I think that's quite a small Venn diagram, isn't it? Like, what's the thing that you want one of every single day for 24 yes. days?
1: Vitamins. and and it's got to be
2: fun it's got to be a treat it's not gonna if you did it every day it would kill you like I don't know like a big block of cheese or something like that
1: well they do do cheese advent calendars
2: are they just tiny little cubes like in a sort of 70s cocktail party
0: yeah they're like baby bells like if it comes Mm. with a giant slab of Jeez, that would be concerning.
1: (laughs) It comes with a whole Parmesan wheel. (laughs) But yeah, I can't remember when I first noticed the deluxe ones, maybe about 10 years ago.
0: The first of the truly premium ones was uh, Liberty, the the historic London department store. They started doing their premium beauty calendar in 2012.
1: 2012, right.
0: So that seems to have really inspired the trend because now... Premium calendars, so-called, account for two-thirds of advent calendar sales (gasps) on the high street in normal year.
1: But is that for total of money? Because some of those advent calendars cost like 150 quid, so it would make sense that they account for more of the sales if you're talking about total money rather than units.
0: Yeah, the Christian Dior one is £350. (coughs) And you call yourself Christian. (laughs) Huh? Like, the Liberty one is really clever because they put inside what were effectively, I mean, they're very she-she high-end... But nonetheless, free beauty samples, that's what they were. They put in the calendar stuff that had you spent £100 on a Liberty Beauty counter on something else, they might have just chucked in the bag anyway. So it didn't cost Liberty anything to get those samples. Well... And then they charge people to sell it to them (laughs) and make it feel special rather than promotional. I suppose now they're even potentially charging the people who are supplying the samples aren't they so that you know they're getting the exposure of being in the limited edition calendar
1: that's what i was wondering whether companies are really jostling to get into the liberty calendar or yeah. like the cult beauty one or john lewis because then they get people into a product
2: oh it's really pretty though
1: it is pretty that's how they get you martin
2: <laughs> i wouldn't mind just having the calendar and not all the shit
1: the liberty 2020 calendar by the way is retailing for 215 pounds Care to guess how much they claim the contents are worth, which include full-size products? £10,000. It's less than £10,000.
0: They'll claim 600
1: 789
0: Yeah, calling bullshit on that. Well, why wouldn't I just buy the thing I wanted?
1: But I suppose as adults, maybe we want a present... And we want the serendipity of it not having totally been a present that we chose for ourselves. Mm. But I remember when I was young, my mum was like, well, it's stupid to buy a chocolate advent calendar. It's much cheaper to buy you a slab of chocolate. Here it is.
0: <laughs> so, Alison Zoltzman,
1: Why are you opening little doors to look at a picture? Just look at a picture on that's on the wall. <laughs> so, I suppose it's not a rational urge, but it is that treat urge. I
0: mean, treating yourself is the problem for me. Yeah. Because the really extravagant ones... I don't know about you, but like my kind of personal spending limit on an advent calendar for myself that I'm Mm -hmm. buying myself is maybe 20 quid, but probably 15. I wouldn't spend 50 quid or 100 quid on myself for an advent calendar. It'd be a nice gift to receive. But then who gives a gift on the 1st of December? I've never allowed myself to think Mm. (laughs) I would buy myself, uh, you know, like I like bath bombs um so i'm sure there exists a bath bomb calendar where every day you get a bath bomb but it would be a hundred quid and i wouldn't spend that on myself
1: and would you want 24 bath bombs
0: well i wouldn't use them on 24 consecutive days if i'm honest
1: sorry that's the rules it's it's in the gospels (laughs) from the beauty ones i feel like it evolved quite quickly into the booze ones and then like socks lego lego ones that cool actually
0: so well the lego ones i've not done lego i've done playmobil and what it was, it was like build your own stable. It's a nice idea because every day you open a different piece yeah. of Playmobil I and then at the cool. end of it, you put the whole stable. But the problem is the plastic waste. Uh, so day one, horse, like a whole Playmobil horse. You're like, this is going to be great. Yeah. Day two, bucket. Okay, mm-hmm. horse needs to eat from the bucket. We'll keep that toy. Day three, like little plastic shards that are supposed to be petals hmm. that go on the floor of the farm. Like, that's just going in landfill, isn't it? Rich, like, isn't it? And it was lots yeah. like that, like at least five days where it was just like... This is supposedly the water that goes in the bucket. No, that's just going in the bin. Just tiny miniature plastic shards, basically. Lots
1: of things for a little child to swallow. God.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I saw one which was um, sewing supplies and I thought that's cool. But then I looked at what is in there and it's, if you like sewing, you will already have these things because it's like pins, a tape measure.
0: I mean, that's where beer is quite useful, isn't it? Because if you like beer...
1: you probably get through more beer. <laughs> exactly.
0: You can keep it in the shed for six months, can't you, until you're ready to drink it. So that's... Yeah. At least it doesn't go to waste.
1: I've also seen this year pork crackling. Wow. Popcorn, which I thought was a bit of a swiz.
0: Yes. Because we all know that the profit margin is uh, large.
1: Astronomical. Yeah. There's quite a lot of stationary ones now, which I thought you might like. There's paper chase ones. There's a Bic Pens one. Different pen every day. <laughs>
0: God. What is the most boring premium advent calendar you can give someone? Stationery has to be up there.
1: I saw in uh, Little a socket set one and I was vaguely tempted because I was like, well, it is useful to have a socket set. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, There was a sex toys one. Yeah,
0: I love honey do them, don't they? But I just think there's a lot of pressure on people, you know, to have sex every day in the build up to Christmas, which presumably that isn't a treat for yourself, is it? You give it to your lover and then it's a bit like... I want to have sex with you every day, you know?
1: I suppose just giving you options and surprises and maybe that would um, be exciting. You're like, well, I wouldn't have bought myself this, but on the 12th day, we've got it.
2: Well, not the problem the quantity there? Isn't the problem, like, I wouldn't have bought myself 24 different sex toys because that's, that's more than I need. Mm.
1: I'm not sure it's about need, Martin.
0: Well, again, it's about the sample, isn't it? Like... Oh, I, I didn't know whether I'd like cock rings, but this way I can I can try an egg and then I can try a cock ring. <laughs> now I've got 24 cock rings.
1: <laughs> I saw one for dogs and it was a big piece of wood in the shape of a bone with little hollows in which you put a bone-shaped dog biscuit for each day and you refill mm-hmm. it each year. And I thought, like, that's open to the dog just leaping up, wrenching it off the wall. <laughs> and dogs don't give a shit about Advent, do they?
0: We've bought uh, our cat Alvin uh, a catnip cushion for Chris- Well, I say for Christmas, actually for Hanukkah. It says Happy Hanukkah <laughs> on it. Um, but it's difficult to know where to hide that around the house. Obviously, he doesn't understand the concept of the holidays, Yeah. but he will smell out catnip and try and eat it and, and hump it and do the things cats do. So, like, where do you put that? Mm. So uh, I've had to bury it between cushions at the back of my wardrobe. But now, of course, all my shirts will smell of catnip and he'll probably claw me to death.
1: You're going to be irresistible to him.
0: <laughs> if only. He's not interested in me. So prefers my wife.
1: Well, that's the way to get him interested in you. A <laughs> of catnip.
0: I'm Humphrey. And on the Twitters, I follow at Helen and Ollie. I should clarify, when I say at, I, I don't mean the preposition at. I mean one of those with a surrounding circle of the sort that used to designate the price of foot, per foot.
1: Thanks to The Great Courses Plus for sponsoring Answer Me This. The Great Courses Plus is a gigantic online library of thousands of lectures from experts on all sorts of different topics. And you can sit on your arse and learn.
0: Or eat your lunch. I, I ate a cauliflower salad this afternoon whilst I learned about screenwriting.
1: Well, that sounds very wholesome. Educational and high in vitamins.
0: The lecture wasn't that wholesome, actually. It had lots of discussions about The Godfather. Okay. The lecture was interesting because the guy who teaches it, who's um, a lecturer from uh, Ohio State University, the examples that he uses are really useful because they're films that everyone knows. So it's like he talks about Jaws and Annie Hall and Star Wars and Pulp Fiction. And the lecture that I was watching was about Toy Story. Mm. He was saying like the way that Toy Story was written was reverse engineering the story from the final page of the script, which, spoiler on a 25-year-old film, is about mortality and that the film starts with Woody knowing that he's being replaced by Buzz and ends with Woody and Buzz both recognising in each other they're going to be replaced by a puppy. And if you know that's where you're going to, then you reverse engineer all the scenes back from that, basically. Right, right. And of course, you know, you don't think that analytically about stuff when you're watching it, but I understand that when yeah. you're writing it, it would help you avoid writer's block because you're thinking, okay, these are the goals. Now let's write the bits in between.
1: Well, uh, The Great Courses Plus is offering you, our precious Answer List listeners, a free month of unlimited access to the entire library. There's not just stuff about screenwriting. There's so many subjects to choose from,
0: and you can take out that trial by heading on now to thegreatcoursesplus.com/answer.
1: That is thegreatcoursesplus.com/answer. Answer. Hi, Helen Oli, it's Shaq here from London. In Christmas films like Miracle on 34th Street and The Santa Claus, the plot is always kick-started by the parents telling the kids that Santa Claus isn't real and that it's actually them that buys their presents and then the kids get upset and they stop believing in, in Santa Claus. But then of course it turns out that Father Christmas actually is real and he does deliver loads of presents to every kid in the world every single year. So why is it that When the parents come down on Christmas Day, they're not wondering where the presents have come from. Are they just assuming that their significant other bought all of the presents and didn't tell them about it? Answer me this. Where do the parents in Christmas films think that the presents have come from? And why do they never question it?
2: Well, two possibilities. Mm -hmm. Firstly, if it's one of these 80s films, probably the parents are poor communicators. So one (laughs) does probably just assume that the one buys all the presents and never thanks them for it, which is weird. In most relationships, that wouldn't be very functional.
1: Is it the dad like, of course, mum has bought presents and the mum is like, wow, dad did a thing. Well, I don't want to mention it because he might be angry that I'm suggesting that I'm surprised he's done a thing for our children.
0: Plus, that's my annual allowance of him doing a thing. Yeah. The
2: other possibility is a little more complex. And I think that probably there's less evidence for it. But it is that maybe the truth is that when you get too old, Santa stops bringing you presents. and. The parents, rather than saying that to their children and hurting their feelings and being like, well, you're too old, so that's why Santa's going to stop bringing presents, they pretend that Santa doesn't exist as a way of saving their children's feelings.
1: Hmm. Or is it that the parents are like, well, I still bought the majority of your presents and I'm sick of someone else getting the credit? Isn't it more that
0: they've typically in these films been on a journey, haven't they, where they too have learned the real value of Christmas? So I guess to some degree, all the parents in these movies, like all protagonists in all Christmas stories ever since A Christmas Carol, are basically Scrooge, aren't they? (laughs) So like on Christmas Day, they're bewildered by the magic of Christmas. There's no place for cynicism, and they're probably literally not thinking about that. Mm. Mm. Even though on on, on Boxing Day, maybe they would face that hard reality. Like they'd sit around the dining table and be like, that was weird, wasn't it? But they're dazed on Christmas Day.
1: Or maybe they've become so inured to Santa and to Christmas cheer that, they can see the presence right in front of their faces, but are not truly acknowledging them mentally.
0: The presence ENTS, not the presence ENCE. Yes. Yeah.
1: There's a mental block on the whole thing. Their denial of Santa is indicative of their own depression and malaise. And feeling of disconnection because why would they also tell their child that santa didn't exist unless the child was quite old and they were like it's a bit fucked up that our 25 year old son still believes in santa
0: it's a bit fucked up that that is the premise of so many christmas films though isn't it bearing in mind it's the one thing people are a bit sensitive about like what's the age at which we start discussing this you know there's a risk isn't there that the kids watch the film and start thinking about that it seems to be a big crown blocker to me
2: well it's like a crisis of faith isn't it it's the way to say to the kids like well you get a bit older and maybe you start to doubt these magical things that happen but Look Mm. what happened to these kids. They doubted it. Even their parents doubted it. And look, we showed them. There's Santa doing cool stuff.
1: I remember taking it on the chin when I found out that Santa wasn't real. But it was partly because of being the youngest person in the house and the last to know. And I just needed to catch up and be like, yeah, sure, I've (laughs) always known. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but you're someone who wanted to just so desperately be an adult. You're probably like, that's another thing ticked off the list.
1: Well, because I was too vulnerable Uh, in my ignorance. That's why I wanted to be an adult. You're at risk when you don't know things and everyone else knows them. Well, let us ruin another thing about Christmas... everybody it's a question from simon from gosport in hampshire who says with the impending yuletide season and the realization i had made a mental note to recycle the many boxes of old decorations in the loft back in january i set to it after some time sorting through everything i emerged from the loft coated in a fine layer of glitter
0: and dust i presume if you've been up in the loft glitter and dust that's evocative isn't it sounds like a a bet midler album
2: that's all the life there is to life ollie glitter and dust (laughs)
1: <laughs> Due to its apparent negative suitability for recycling, yeah. as I was finding glitter up my nose for a day or two afterwards, Ollie answered me this. What are the health implications of inhaling these tiny bits of plastic? Hey, that's disillusioning for a start, isn't it, that glitter's tiny bits of plastic?
0: Disillusioning because it ruins the magic, you mean? What did you think it was? Made by fairies in, a, in an elf farm?
1: Well, I thought it might be tiny bits of shiny metal or magic dust.
0: No, it is tiny bits of plastic. And the reason that it has health implications for humans is Because actually most of the stuff about glitter not being recyclable focuses on the fact that it can affect wildlife because the glitter particles can then pass through sewage treatment filters and then they can end up being dumped into the ocean and then the fish can eat them. But of course what then happens is we then eat the fish. So it can end up back in our stomachs, which is actually I think for a lot of people, especially people who are meat eaters, something that's maybe would give you more pause for thought than simply just saying glitter can't be recycled, is realising that you might end up eating it. And it, it might be part of the reason behind the alarming microplastic pollution that's been found in tap water, glitter. Oh. So in terms of like what it could do to you, ingesting glitter, I, I suppose it could make your stools kind of funky. But worse than that, it's foreign chemicals in the lungs and bloodstream, basically. So it's, it's not necessarily any worse than... I don't know, standing next to a car and inhaling the fumes, but it is potentially as bad as that. Uh. And also, it can give you blindness if it gets rubbed into your eyes.
1: Good. <sighs> yeah, a friend of mine got a scratched cornea from glitter eyeshadow. Mm.
0: I feel sorry for the people who are like just opening a present and then some glitter flies into their contact lens and that's it, you know?
1: Uh. Mm. There is glitter that isn't made of microplastics, right?
0: Which I've only just discovered, which is made from um, vegetables and seaweed and minerals wow. and biodegradable stuff like that. But the, the price is the problem. So. Like in Tesco, a pack of six tubes of glitter is a fiver. If you buy a six pack of of eco-friendly glitter, it's about 40 quid.
1: Maybe that's the price of glitter.
0: Or I might even make it at home, Helen. Did you know you can make glitter?
1: What? How? What? What?
0: when take all your plastic belongings and chop them into many pieces put them in the blender bomb them with aluminium <laughs> uh, you stir food coloring i'm not taking responsibility for this recipe it's from huffington post you stir food coloring into salt and put the mixture in the oven until the liquid disappears and bake for 10 minutes and you have something that's a bit like glitter
1: i wonder if it's actually sparkly or whether it is just like colorful grit
0: here's a question from rob in manchester who says i have an older sister we get on But we're very different people and with very different tastes.
1: That's siblings, isn't it?
0: She could be described as a bit live, laugh, love.
1: (laughs) well, I'm happy for her.
0: And we don't have much in common. She tends to buy personalised presents and has discovered the idea of having photos blown up onto canvas as a go-to gift. Okie doke. The first time she did this for me and my wife, she sent us a link so we could choose and upload our own picture. Mm. So at least we had that level of control over it. (laughs) But even then, it was something that only found its way to our wall when she visited. Right. I do sort of sympathise with that because there is something a bit naff about a canvas photo, isn't there? Which I got one free once as a promotion. And so obviously I I took them up on it, but I I did it as a picture of the cat and I put it in the utility room above the cat's bowl. (laughs) Nice. I thought that was a good compromise. I
1: once got printed on canvas one of Martin's photos of a bison drinking some water out of a puddle. Mm.
0: However, continues Rob, when we got married, she presented my parents with a massive canvas of a photo that she took of my wife and I at our wedding. That's a lot. I thought this was a bit weird, Mm -hmm. and it meant that neither us nor my parents got to choose which of our wedding photos was most prominent and massive in their house. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But I let it go. We had a similar thing, like our friends gave us a montage of photos of our wedding. It wasn't a a canvas thing. yeah. But obviously, because they gave it to us, it included photos of them. And I'm not sure (laughs) if we'd have chosen the photos from our wedding, that we would have included those photos of them in our montage of our day's memory.
1: They're not preventing you from making your own montage with your own montage pick. They
0: kind of are though, because you I mean actually as it happens, I like the montage and it is up in our house and I never think about this anymore. But in in twenty sixteen when I was thinking about it, I did think I wouldn't have chosen those photos and now I can't choose any others, because how many pictures of your own wedding do you want up in your house, you know?
1: Our friend Alex, who took a lot of pictures at our wedding, got one of those like Apple photo books printed out afterwards of his pictures. He's good at pictures. And I thought, oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah, photo book. Photo book doesn't go on the wall, does no, it? No, it
1: does not go on the wall. And I was very happy to have Alex's editorial eye in it because it's like, here's how Alex perceived the wedding day. Yeah, photo
0: book's totally different. Okay. Six months ago, continued Rob, because this email is only half done, ah. we had a baby. And as my family haven't seen much of him due to lockdown, we've been sending my parents and my sister a pretty much endless stream of pictures. Oh, no putting paraffin on the fire, isn't
1: it? It's bait for your sister.
0: When our son was a couple of months old, my sister gave one of these pictures the same treatment and gave it to my parents as a present.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Not a picture we would have chosen. And again, I felt it wasn't really her place to do this, especially as we had planned to have some of the nicer ones printed and mounted for my parents, Mm. but then felt the idea was a bit redundant once the, again, massive picture was there.
1: You can't even pretend you broke it. Right. Because... Canvas pictures are, are hard to destroy unless you have a house fire, which would be a problem in a different way.
0: They can be slit down the middle with a knife, but uh. how would that happen by accident?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, you know, we, we were just stabbing the picture of our grandchild. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I hoped it would end there, says Rob.
1: I'm guessing it didn't.
0: Yeah, it's all going to end with uh, his sister buying a billboard in Times Square, I think. <laughs> and you guessed it. She has sent me, for my birthday, a picture that I sent her of my own son there are literally hundreds of objectively better pictures of him that we have and have given to her, but he happens to be wearing an outfit that she bought.
1: I see. Oh, so it's thoughtful of you to send her that picture yes. and take the risk that the picture would then come back to you.
0: So, Helen, asked me this. How do I get my sister to stop using <laughs> my life as material for her presence? Mm. I definitely couldn't just come out with it without major ructions. I know she means well and doesn't take setbacks or confrontations well. On the other hand, it's weird and annoying and I want it to stop. What do I do?
1: (sighs) You're going to have to stop her getting access to photos for a start. Mm. Or send photos where the baby is like, you've coloured in its eyes red so it looks like a demon.
0: Watermark them. Watermark your photos. <laughs>
1: <Put a big laughs> getty Images logo across it.
0: Copyright Robin Manchester. Do not print under any circumstances.
1: Yes. The first
0: stage of any addiction is to admit that you have it, isn't it? I don't know if Photobox have an equivalent of, uh, you know, when the fun stops, stop. But maybe there's some sort of <laughs> chuck out policy for ordering too many canvas prints that they could help implement.
1: The thing is, it sounds like she is very well-meaning and this is quite sweet. However, I think buying someone the same gift repeatedly, effectively, is also after a point a bit inconsiderate because your wall space is finite.
0: Yeah. Even if it's something that they liked the first time, like I'm conscious of that. Like I used to give my grandma the same bottle of perfume every year and then I noticed that she doesn't use it that much. I was like, how much perfume does she need? I'm going to switch.
1: And she got a cupboard with 20 bottles of perfume (laughs) in it. Probably, You can't even sell this gift on eBay either. She could sell the perfumes, but Rob can't do that. You might, need to collude with your parents and I don't know whether she takes this kind of thing better from them like if she was going to their house and they just had the pictures like stacked behind the sofa and she's like why haven't you got the pictures up and they'll be like well dear We thought we'd uh, seen enough of uh, this picture for a lifetime. Mm. I'm just thinking of how my grandparents would have done it or how my parents would. Is that less offensive? I think that's
0: more gut-wrenching.
1: I don't think you can do this subtly, unfortunately. No,
0: I agree with that, but I think some some straightforward blunt words from the brother is probably better than the parents doing it.
1: You could say, uh, yeah, we uh, have a no-physical-presence policy this year because we just don't have the room. And... Yeah, but it's,
0: it goes on the wall. So she, Yeah, but not know. everyone
1: has, like, infinite wall. Especially if she's printing some huge... Yeah,
0: but she knows. She knows how much wall he has. That's the problem. My mum is this person in the sense that she loves a photo-based gift and she doesn't always choose particularly amazing photos. However, what she does do is that she uh, goes for a different product each year. Ah. <laughs> so... Last year it was scatter cushions, this year it's jigsaws. So I feel like if wow. there's a year where we think her photo-based present is a bit below par, it just goes yeah. in the drawer. But most years it's okay and we've only got one photo-based gift per room.
1: And you've got the uh, the interest of what will she think of next? Will it be one of those two-way sequin cushions? Exactly. Where it looks like <laughs> okay. just sequins and then you brush it with your hand and your child appears.
0: I mean, obviously if this was a sitcom, then you'd respond by getting a terrible photo of your sister and turning it into a wall of her house as a mural. <laughs> and then she'd learn. <laughs> but... That's probably not a sensible solution.
1: Is there anything funny that you could do with them? Like, could you take a paintbrush to them and like, redo your child so they're wearing like Shakespearean dress?
0: That is fun, but then might that encourage her to do more if they're having so much fun with her presents?
1: I think unfortunately it is going to involve a polite conversation, isn't it? Just be like, sister, you've been so sweet, but we can't accommodate more blown up photo presents. Or if you're thinking of getting us a present this year, this would be really useful for us rather than leaving it for her free choice, which would be a blown out canvas portrait. You're
0: not saying you don't like the ones she sent. Don't tell her that.
1: Yeah, go in with gratitude and also a firm stop. And I think your parents backing you up would be useful because it's possible she'll just get double the amount for your parents, particularly if she already reordered them. Yes. Uh, and I think also stop displaying them. It's a subtle clue. But if I if I'd bought someone something decorative and I didn't see them in their home, I would infer that they did not like it.
0: Yeah, it might take years though, especially this it year. I, mean, I don't know how yeah. often she's been round to the house.
1: Yes. But yes,
0: in a few years' time she might get the get the hint. Yeah. Well the perfect gift for you to give us this year is of course more of your questions for us to answer in Answer Me This in twenty twenty one.
1: You can email us or you can record yourself on a voice memo and email that to us. That's probably the best way to get your voice questions to us because we do love hearing things in your voice, but Skype is increasingly unreliable at delivering those messages. There have been a lot where I just get an error message and I can't hear what you have to say. And if you forget our email address, it is emblazoned upon our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com And also, what an excellent time of year to listen to the Answer Me This Christmas album. I'd say we're in peak listening to that time right now. Perfect.
0: Yes, we may have recorded it in 2013, but the answers within it remain perennial, don't they? Why do we kiss under the mistletoe? Why are we still eating Brussels sprouts? Uh, What was the biggest Christmas TV special of all time? Still current. Yep. Uh, still worth listening to and many of you do we love it when you yeah. tweet us pictures of you listening to the Answer Me This Christmas album Aww.
1: and our Christmas album along with all of our albums are available at answermethistore.com
0: yes and uh, also at answermethistore.com you can buy our 2020 release Answer Me This Home Entertainment and there is a link there so that you can buy it on iTunes now as well if you would rather give uh, Apple your credit card information <laughs> than us
1: yeah Help a massive corporation out, rather than your independent podcast of friends. It is that time of the year. (laughs) And you can also listen to our other work. Holly, The Modern Man usually has an absolute banger of a festive episode. What have you got for us this year?
0: Yeah, well, at the time of recording this, we haven't yet recorded The Modern Man Christmas Spectacular for 2020. But there will be one, and I'm sure it will be supremely festive, because it always is. Um, but actually, if you want to look back over all the Christmassy episodes that we've done, in the past, I've spoken to uh, the UK's most prolific celebrity, Santa. Uh, I have spoken to someone who writes most of the pantos that get put on each year. Wow. I've spoken to a vicar uh, about <laughs> managing Christmas in uh, modern-day London. I've put all of the Modern Man episodes about Christmas, so there's loads of them, uh, onto one page of our website. Nice. So If you go there now and you want another festive hit, uh, its with is slash christmas lovely martin
2: Uh, i've got an ep it's called unwavering sentinels of dreaming i'm
1: surprised you've gone for such a commercial title martin
2: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you can get that by searching for pale bird wherever you get music well, you can also get it at palebird.bandcamp.com. Oh, and there's a video. There's, I did a song called Many Moons and I drew this video. It looks really pretty. So that uh, Search for that. Yeah, it's a nice song and it's a pretty hey, video.
1: made this video. The Illusionist has multiple Christmas episodes in the back catalogue, which are really, really fun ones. Sometimes. Why is Dickens the Christmassy guy and about the unfair deal that the word Winterfall has? And this year's Christmas episode is going to be very song-based, but it's not out yet. But recently I released a quiz in which every answer is a swear so you listen to it and you shout out the answer so it's basically an opportunity to shout out swears and being like but it's educational which i think might be a useful thing for people over the festive period to release some tension
2: my personal favorite is Windfucker.
1: oh yeah i found some incredible facts out about um (laughs) kestrels okay that's a free answer for you Right away, wind fuckers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, on which uh, we will be back on the first Thursday of January with an all-new edition of the show. And in two weeks' time, we will drop into your feed something from the vaults, but for one month only. But you Got have to subscribe to, subscribe to the to show. get it. Yes, search for "Answer Me This" on your podcast app of choice and hit subscribe.
1: And uh, good luck in this festive season, everybody. Bye. Bye.